Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. We are Dr. Bobby and Dr. Jess, two physical therapists doing our best to lead healthy lives most of the time because moderation is important, right? Um, we like to see our glasses as half full. Sometimes that's a lot harder than others. And we hope and we like to learn from others that are more knowledgeable than us. So I am super excited about this month of relationships um, and everything we've learned so far. We got another awesome guest coming on today. But first, Dr. Jess, what's in your cup? So today I'm I'm still I'm I'm loving kombucha. So I've got mango lime today. Ooh, uh, that one sounds good. Yeah, live probiotics. That's pretty good. I usually get the ones that are on sale. So, you know, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> that was this one. Uh, so Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? Well, Dr. Jess, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. So I have zero sugar, Dr. Cherry, Dr. Cherry Pepper, Dr. Pepper Cherry, however you want to say it. Yep, yep. Um, it is my one soda a day today. There you go. I like it. So. And with us today, we have an esteemed guest, um, a very close friend of mine. We've been friends for, we can say it now, decades. There's a Ooh. plural on that. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, does that make us, what does that make us? Uh, Not old yet. Well seasoned. <laughs> seasoned, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, so um, Ethan Martin, so I'm going to have Ethan introduce himself a little bit and share what's in his class. Yes. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, and hello. Thank you for inviting me onto this uh, wonderful podcast. Um, I'm Ethan Martin, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. Um, currently, I am pursuing my doctorate in clinical psychology at Wheaton College <laughs> in Wheaton, Illinois. So I'm a, yeah, I'm a return to school later in life kind of a guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing no. wrong. That's, that's right. growth. That's growth. That's, that's a, exactly right. That's yeah. right. I wish I had my classes in moderation though. That was <laughs> 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 and in my glass, I actually have this really cool, it's a tea. It's okay. a herbal tea. It's called, um, I'll probably screw it up, but butterfly pea flower tea. I've so heard of that. Heard yeah, that. and that is blue. It's this beautiful blue color, but get this. This is the cool thing. If you add any sort of acidity to it, it turns purple. And so usually I add lemonade because I like a nice like lemon tea kind of a thing. I don't yeah. have any lemonade right now. So I have this like little lime juice. That's I've never done it with the lime. So we'll see if it works. Ooh, like but a little science experiment. Hurt. I'm literally on the yeah. edge of my seat. It's like, and I can't really like stir it. I don't know. Oh yeah, you can see that. See how it's like. Oh, yeah, you purple? can see. It does turn That's purple. Cool. Yeah. Huh. So it is a fun little like science experiment, and you can just see it as it like turns purple all the way through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I yeah. drink it more for the aesthetic than I do for the taste. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's super fun. It's like it nerds me out every time I do it. So see now it's completely purple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had no idea. That's super cool. Learned yeah. something new today. Uh-huh. Perfect. Ooh. <laughs> and it's <laughs> Ooh, yummy. <laughs> All right. So Ethan, tell us a little bit about um your background, right? So you're in mental health counseling. And yes. with that, uh, I would say would that help you with being able to like work with people a little bit on relationships, like friends and family, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, generally, 
when you when you think about mental health issues mm-hmm. and especially even diagnosing, most of the time diagnostic criteria include some sort of interpersonal um, impediment. And so right. when we think about um, treating individuals with mental health issues, there is almost always the idea of relationships that are affected. And mm-hmm. so um, when you think about it in kind of from like a, a maybe a more global perspective, when you're treating someone, you also should be considering how that treatment of them um, flows out to their community, whomever that might be within their community, their loved ones, the people that they're in relationship with, and how to improve those relationships in the midst of mental health struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with when we're having this episode air, a lot of the reasons why we wanted to air this one during this period of time of the year is because we're getting a lot of people that are going to be interacting for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And preparing yourself for some of those interactions, you know, might be really, really fun and great and healthy and everything's joyful. And then other times, you know, that it might not go that way. Right. And, and I think sometimes if we have a better understanding of why things go well versus why things don't go well, Mm -hmm. it kind of helps us prepare for entering into that situation with improved intention at least that's, you know, from, from my perspective, it's like, okay, what's my intention of entering into this space, knowing full well what I walked into the last time. So is that going to repeat again? You know, but we have these obligations uh, <laughs> that sometimes we put ourselves into situations where it's like, we feel like we're defeated before we even entered the room. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, well, what if we, what if we actually change that, that focus and we look at it from a different perspective? Um, no. So that's kind of, we're not trying to say all, all relationships are negative and holidays are horrible. No. That is a time of the year where sometimes we are interacting in ways that we wouldn't have chosen to interact without this feeling of obligation is, no. is all, you know, yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Right. So how do our relationships with friends and family overall help us in our overall well-being? Right. Just like in general, how what's the positive to these relationships? Yeah. Well, I think that we are we're we're social creatures like humans um, are, are we're just by nature social creatures. And so being in community, being in social reciprocal relationships with other human beings is just by its very essence going to be productive um, in, in many different ways. Of course, nobody is perfect. And so with that comes, um, comes fallibilities and issues um, and that can create that kind of tension that exists between people and potentially even conflict between people. Um, but generally speaking, uh, because we are so um, ingrained socially, um, I think that there's just this kind of natural high that we experience when there is positive social relationships with others. Um, And there's even like, um, I'm sure you guys know, but uh, oxytocin is that that kind of bonding hormone. Uh, Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. called a love hormone or whatever. You can call it what you want, Um, but (laughs) oxytocin actually increases that kind of good feeling within someone. And um, a lot of times oxytocin exists in relationships that are really close where there's potentially like physical, good, healthy, physical touch. Um, and it can really increase that overall satisfaction and sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So physiologically, it's just healthy for us to interact. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, in general, right. We, we develop societies and we develop households with families and friends and Mm -hmm. that's just us by nature kind of doing as we, you know, Mm -hmm. are designed to do, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I believe the oxytocin you're talking about is like super important and like the birth of babies. And like, that's why, like, one of the first things they do is try to put the baby on the mother, you know, and to have that bonding through exactly. there. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of goes into my next question, right? So you talk about oxytocin and the physical touch and stuff like that. And so when we talk about relationships, like how would we kind of, you almost like define in some way the difference between a close friendship and an acquaintance. Yeah. And so like, and really recognizing those two can be helpful so that expectations are clear. Um, yes. and we don't get, um, put too much, uh, of ourselves into something where it's not necessarily reciprocal. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a really good question. And I, and so I, in, in some kind of psychology, a lot of times when we're asked a question, we um, make it, we make a very vague answer. And so I apologize because that's how it's going to be right now, <laughs> but it's kind of like it's kind of how you, how you define it, you know, you can define a close relationship and, or a, um, a, an associationship. I've heard that being called that before too. Um, you can define that however you want. It's different for everybody. Um, and I'll just kind of disclose a little bit about me. I'm, I'm an extrovert and I love people. And so like everybody to me is a potential friend, like a new person. It's so easy for me to call someone a friend, even after I've had just one conversation with them. Um, and that's just my personality, but there are tons of people that are not like me. You know, I've had people that I've known for years and they'd be like, Oh, Ethan. Oh, he's just an associate of mine. Like, I don't, you know, we don't really know each other. And to me, I'd be like, what do you mean? We're like, we go way back. (laughs) Really good friends. And so that answer is kind of like, and and it doesn't offend me when they, when they say it that way, because I understand that that's like their personality and my personality is just different. And so I think that that kind of definition is different per person. Um, but it's also really good to, to be communicated as well. You know, a lot of people know that I'm friendly. And so they know, they will know that I see people as friends really quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. And I also see like on that line, I think for me personally, I have seen myself grow in different areas. So young twenties, like my, I like 200 friends, you know, and now I have like, I can count on one hand, like the amount of you know, that are people that are really close, that really know what's going on at every moment in my life. Like the people you call when you're struggling, you know, that you let into that side of you, that's not the happy side, I would say, you know? Um, But as I I feel like as I've gotten older, my, my acquaintances have gotten bigger and my friends, you know, quote unquote, like they're friends, but those close knit people that are like the true friends have gotten like smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and it seems like I'm okay. I'm, I am okay with that. You know, I still have a big social group, but my true friends are really small at this point in my life. Yeah. I love that. And, and that's like, that's how, that's how things work for you. You know, that's great. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think that's where, as you grow with understanding yourself and what your needs are, you know, Yeah, I think, that's, and, and I, I do think that's somewhere where people can get, have that miscommunication a little bit easily. And like, all of a sudden it feels like it's a one-sided relationship 
and when really like it that it was never a two-way street right like it was like mm-hmm. no like 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 just because we I don't know went on a run together that doesn't mean that like I'm going to answer your call when you're frustrated right no. like oh but I oh, oh I oh I'm sorry I oh <laughs> you know <laughs> but to be fair like that was never you know like there's some people that it's like no like we just do this together and that's it and mm-hmm. that's the only that's all I'm interested in and, wow. and there's other people that are interested in actually growing in all the different phases of what life has to offer mm-hmm. and so I think just being respectful of what that other individual is looking for and it not just being about like my intention but like what is that other person's what do they need um, mm-hmm. and the more that we just kind of meet each other then in the middle then we don't need to have like like you know any sort of big meltdowns and blowouts and you know right. all that negative drama that's opposite of oxytocin <laughs> right that stress response is going up right <laughs> yeah so just unnecessary that's all yeah. um so as far as uh you know because you know holidays and getting together usually it's going to be those people that are closer friends you probably plan this in advance a little bit um and then the those closer friends like what like what are strategies to really improve that communication with those closer friends like that that way that we can continue to grow that whether and that's different than maybe a relationship of like a significant other you know but a friend is a little bit is is different but really important mm-hmm. it's really important to to maintain healthy friendships i think yeah yeah that's good and and I would say, I think that there's a lot of the same strategies that you would probably use with a significant other, mm-hmm. but you may not use it as, as intimately. Um, you know, there, there might be a depth to some of the strategies that you would use with a significant other that you may not use with friends. Um, but yet there's still more of a depth of that communication than, than it might be with an acquaintance or even a perfect stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely like a, there's there's quite a few strategies that are that are important. Number one, communication is absolutely key. So we have to start there um, because there are a lot of people that that under communicate. Um, I rarely see people who over communicate, although that does happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that first of all, just kind of building, getting the foundation for how to communicate is like really instrumental in increasing those healthy relationships. And there are different things within communication that are incredibly integral to improving relationships within that kind of construct of communication. Um, And some of those strategies would be active listening. Um, That's just incredibly important. You know, nobody wants to talk to someone whose mind is somewhere else or is always trying to think of the next thing that they're trying to say. Um, you know, you generally, your friends are people that are going to hear you and they're going to validate you and they're going to, you know, express some sort of empathy for what you're going through. Um, and those types of things can really foster the growth of relationships and even, um, improve relationships. Um, so definitely active listening. And that, that really just means listening for what they're saying. It doesn't mean that you're, especially in conflict, a lot of times you're, you're listening to rebut what they're gonna say. 
but it's actually listening for the message behind what they're trying to say. And even communicating that back, you know, you'll hear a lot of us therapists be like, so what I hear you saying is, because we're trying <laughs> to employ this active listening technique mm-hmm. that's saying, I want to hear you in what you're saying right now. And this is what I'm interpreting from what you're saying right now. And let me know if what I'm interpreting is accurate because I want to make sure we're on the same page as we're communicating. Um, and so that's that's what's active listening is and that's what that's called. It's not me trying to figure out like, oh, as a therapist, like, oh, now just let me get a solution to what they're going mm-hmm. through because they just might wanna be in that process without a solution and, and we have to be okay with that. Um, so that's one, that's one technique, active listening. Um, another one is using I statements. Um, and this is, again, a lot of these are, are better, uh, more employable when there's conflict. You can certainly use them without. It's good to practice them without conflict. But these are things that generally help um, reduce conflict when conflict occurs. And I statements just means you're, you're saying, I, I feel, I think, I experience. Mm-hmm. You're using language that doesn't put upon the other person something that's not due the other person. So we are responsible for our own thoughts and our own emotions, and it's taking responsibility for that. Um, so instead of saying, like, you just made me angry, you can say something like, I feel angry because of what just happened. Um, and that way, what that what that does is it doesn't make them defensive because you're not putting it on them. You're not blame shifting onto them and it puts the responsibility on you. So there's this kind of like shared understanding of who's responsible for what emotions and what thoughts in that kind of communication pattern. Um, and again, that, that lowers those defensive walls that someone else might have in the communication. And so a lot of times when I'm teaching communication to my clients, we actually go back and forth practicing I statements because that's super key. It's like working it out. You got to work it out like a muscle, you know, because when you're when you're hot and bothered and you're enraged, you're like, you did this and you did that. And you just always you just want to put you language in there. And it's so important to like reframe and reshift your communication to um, take responsibility and to you know, give credit where credit is due. And I like the idea of using the I statements when you're in a, in a good place as well. It's it's that practice, just like mindfulness, just like meditation, just like anything else. When you practice, when you're in a, in a, a, a happy place or a good mindset, it, it just becomes easier. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's times where like, if I'm frustrated, (laughs) I'll have to say (laughs) I feel like you are a jerk right now. <laughs> now. You got the I language, but also the you language. Right? <laughs> I'm like, wait. Yeah. That counts. <laughs> I started with an I statement. So to be fair, I think where's that still meeting me halfway. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome, that Jess. So yeah. Don't do that. That's a, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, we would definitely work on that some more. That's okay. what... <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh. I, I feel like for me, the I statements is the easy part. Because mm. I think it, for me, I've really worked on that for a long time now. Um, when I was doing like a direct sales, when I was in sales, like I really worked on my communication and how I tried to express those things. 
On the other hand, the active listening part for me, that is a whole nother story. Um, and like, I find myself, I'm like, just listen. And then I try to focus. And maybe that goes with meditation because I really struggle with meditation too. Is mm-hmm. My mind's just like, and trying to like pull everything together, not forget something, do this, do this. And then they're like, okay, you agree? And I was like, sure. And now I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what did I just agree to? <laughs> or, you know, like you ask a question and then they answer you and then you realize you don't know what they answered. I do that in PT sometimes a lot. Like I'll ask the patient, do you want this? And they'll be like, oh, they'll answer me. And then I'm like, I am so sorry. I know I just asked you this, but. <laughs> I think that's a really good technique to just, cause again, you're taking responsibility, like apologize and say, I apologize. Can you repeat that? <laughs> We're human and we have we definitely have uh, barriers to these healthy communication patterns um, and they will manifest at any given time. And so I think, I think that's really good of you to like recognize that and to apologize and try to move forward more effectively too. That's another key ingredient to healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Apologizing, like just no matter what, taking ownership where you can take Mm -hmm. ownership Yes. Just like number one, I know that decreases my defensiveness right away. Even like, even if it's something as simple as like, you know, my son, he's five. Right. And the minute that he's like, he does something and I'm like, he knows not to do that. And he'll turn around and be like, mama, I'm sorry. I know I wasn't supposed to do that. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. No big deal. Let's, you know, it's just like, I'm immediately like, okay, he recognizes it. Perfect. We can move on as long as, you know, and it's just it's yeah. crazy that like that, just that little bit of recognition. Um, it just keeps everybody calm, you know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. moving on from friends. So friends are great, right? Uh, <laughs> now yeah. and we could choose our friends more or less, uh, but let's move towards family. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one can be, can be great. And, and sometimes it cannot be so great, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, um, as far as like our family relationships, mm-hmm. uh, and again, like, it's, this one's, it's, it's super broad and super tough, but, um, Mm -hmm. how, like with that development of like how you develop over time with family, like how does that really shape us? You know, that nature versus nurture type. Um, and I know there's no consensus on this. It's like, it's an, you're you're in a no win situation, Ethan, for answering this question. (laughs) I am recognizing that I'm putting you in that position. (laughs) I I am actually quite uh, interested in your answer though. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is a really tough one, especially as we're, you know, as we think about holidays, which are generally, um, presented as very family oriented, mm-hmm. um, and not everybody's family of origin or even family of choice is like super healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, probably most families there, there are some dysfunctional aspects. So I would probably err on that side is that most families have some sort of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think the difficulty with families is that it's so many people with so many faults and failures all trying to communicate and exist and um, relate in very um, meaningful ways with each other. And a lot of times those just get so misconstrued and it can be messy and it can be dramatic um, and it can really be hurtful. Um, most of the harm that is done with people is done by their families. Um, 
And I think it's because there's this idea that family is the, the, your, your community, like that is your community. It's the community you were born into, it's the community you were raised in. And so um, there's not a lot of choice in that because you're, you're just born there. And, and I think the difficulty without, with not having the choice in a lot of things is um, saying that you, you have to deal with the mess, you have to deal with the dysfunction of the family um, and you just have to exist as it has been since you were a kid. Um, and so that's, I think, where a lot of the difficulty comes in, in, in relating with family, especially, especially as holiday seasons come around. That's usually when you're dealing with family a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think you can be like mixing families as well. Mm-hmm. So you might have, you know, uh, especially if you're in the same area, you know, so you might have, mm-hmm. even, you know, like people that are married and now they've got their family, you've got your family. And so now it's like, it's even more people in, in one space and every personality type is probably in that room. Yeah. <laughs> it can be, it can be pretty tough for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so as far as like strategies, yeah. Let's let's say like cuz we know it's we know it happens. It exists. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. That's one of the number one things I hear in the clinic. And it's like, "Oh, yeah. So, for whether, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's gatherings, mm-hmm. uh, all, you know, I don't normally hear it as much with the Friendsgiving. Most people aren't like, "Oh, Friendsgiving." <laughs> they don't dread right? that. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> uh, there might be one player in Friendsgiving right. that they're kind of dreading. But yeah. it's not as much of the like, we're just going to do it. We're going to, yeah. you know, we're going to get, we're going to get through, we're going to get through Christmas. Yeah. We're going to get through it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh-huh. What if we, what if we had a better way than just surviving it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like what if we could find ways that we could enter into it and maybe, maybe something is even, even enjoyable. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not there. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in every situation right yeah so uh, again like so what are some strategies that we can use to kind of break that down and better determine healthy versus unhealthy Mm. so now we walk into this room and we know that this room is stressful because every time we're in this room it's stressful Mm -hmm. but what if we just learn strategies for like finding what the healthy parts and maybe going towards that and then what are strategies then we can then say okay this is the unhealthy for me unhealthy Mm -hmm and then strategies for that, right? Yeah. So this one, we've got to recognize, and then two, determine strategies for unhealthy. Yeah. And to tag on to that, are those strategies different if mm-hmm. like you're communicating with your parents? So now we're all adults and um, that relationship with your parents has changed versus, you know, siblings or um, cousins, you know, like, are there any strategies that may be different in that way too? Yeah, because you can't just wrestle it away anymore. Right. And you could try. Or, but... or you can't. Yeah. Break some some limbs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, yeah. So this is, again, this is incredibly difficult and it's going to, it's actually going to be different for, for everybody because it all depends on the situation and, and temperaments and personalities of people. Um, and so what, like, for instance, like what might work for me might work might be horrible for you, for both of you to employ mm-hmm. as particular strategies. Yeah. So I would say like foundationally, like what, what do we need to do first? When you're entering into those situations, I think going in with a level of, um, uh, 
of understanding, which might include empathy and care, will really kind of create a level playing field. So what I mean by that is understanding that every, um, every environment has its own dynamic. And so when you're entering into this family atmosphere, this family environment, it's going to have a, a dynamic. And that dynamic is gonna be unique to who is there and who's involved. Um, and kind of just being maybe even like an active observer of the dynamic before even being like a, a participant in it might be a good strategy to really cueing yourself for healthier interactions with people in potentially stressful situations because you can then try to figure out what is your role in this dynamic? How do I fit in? How do I like work things out? Um, so that's, I, and, and then approaching it with empathy and care, just recognizing that everybody, um, people who generally say hurtful things or do hurtful things are somehow hurting. Um, and so even as a therapist, you know, lots of things have been placed on me as a therapist and I have to recognize that they're just doing things out of their own hurt. They're, you know, they're not, they're, it's not actually me that's doing anything. They're hurt. They're saying something against mm -hmm. me out of their hurt. And so recognizing that doesn't make it a healthier situation, but it helps me react to it in a healthier manner. Right. Um, and so I think that that's, that's an important um, dynamic in approaching these potentially conflictual situations. Yeah, I like that. That's a, I call it back to the wall. So when I walk into a situation that there's a lot going on, I usually, I hang to the perimeter mm -hmm. and I just like scan the room just because like I don't know if I'm going to put my foot in an ant's nest or not right mm -hmm. so like just to get the feel the vibe you know is, is everybody mm -hmm. is that light is it happy is there heaviness is there something uh -huh. going on in that corner over there that I need to avoid because I'm not about to walk over there right. someone seems upset and I'm not part of that right? <laughs> but, right. but I do that like in any new situation like if it's yeah. crowded it's just like <laughs> back to the wall yeah. um yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You just like yeah. stand the perimeter, get a sense of it before you jump into the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's just more my personality too. I'm not quite as extroverted as Ethan. Um, <laughs> 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 but I, I like, I like that because it definitely, I think mm -hmm. prepares you again, intentionally of like, okay, what, what are the next steps here? And yeah. um, just to keep yourself protected, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. like you don't know, like, there could be so much going on that you have no idea. And then, like yeah. you said, because of that hurt and anger or whatever it is, you say one mm -hmm. thing that you thought was helpful, but you had no mm -hmm. idea the context that you were walking <laughs> into. And now it comes back at you. And then now you're defensive back. And now all of a sudden this, like this, what? Family drama. <laughs> yeah. what, what is going on? And then you add, you know, and the, you know, the history of the relationship. Well, you remember when you were five and you right. got on my new dress, you know, and they're like, <laughs> when did, when did I that? Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like back to the wall, you might yeah. avoid that. Mm -hmm. sure. yeah. I'm about to say this and I will fully admit before I say it that when it comes to my immediate family, so my mom, my dad, my brother, I am not good at this. 
everyone else, I am great. I like really try hard, but when it comes to those three people, it is yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. I gotta end right now. But what I always try to do is like, when I hear something or I'm walking into a situation or I'm upset about something that someone did, someone said everything, like I take a deep breath and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like even when it comes to a patient, coworker, anything like I, I sit back and I'm like, what could be anything else to explain why this happened? You know, and I like make myself like run through a mental list and it's all done pretty quickly, but it's like, okay, don't just aim back at them. Like ask questions like, oh, what happened? You're running late today. Why? You know, like, oh, you forgot the casserole. (laughs) What's going on? You know, like (laughs) just those questions of like, give them an opportunity to tell you what's going Uh on because they probably didn't forget the casserole on purpose, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But man, when it comes to my like immediate family, I, I know yeah. I'm terrible at that. I know yeah. that is something that I am not very good at. And it's like for them, I just want to fire back right away. Yeah. Whereas everyone else, I give them the opportunity yeah. <laughs> or some- the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the immediate family is the most difficult because you've already you already know your dynamic. Like you don't have to observe what the dynamic is because you already know your role in that dynamic. Yeah. And so you kind of just enter into those situations with guns ablazing because you know what you're gonna do, you know what you're gonna say, you know how you know how your brother acts, your sister acts, you know how your mom acts, your dad acts, like you know it all already. It's not yeah. new. So those situations you would probably approach a little bit differently than maybe that active observer. Mm-hmm. Um, you would just jump right in with them as opposed to like standing back. Cause then they'd be like, why are you so quiet? Why are you? <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah, those, those situations would be different um, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's say we're in that room, right? So we did stand back. We did, we know, we know the relationships that are healthier uh, because like those are always happy. I mean, they're just easy, you know, but now we recognize like, the last three times we've gotten together and these individuals are here, I always end up getting my feelings hurt. And um, what like, so I'm, I'm in the room. So I'm mm-hmm. there, I see them. I'm mm-hmm. already emotionally getting charged because it's like, I'm, I'm ready for the attack. Um, yeah. So what, like, what's a strategy for that, right? Because we all are going to be in that room, in that situation at some point in time, because there was a negative experience in the past. Yeah. For sure. I think so. First of all, I'll kind of back up a little bit to, to get before that. I think when you're going into a situation, whether it's uh, like a dynamic you already know or one that you need to like figure out as you're going in, I think it's always good to have the element of choice. Uh, because with family, you don't you, you don't get to choose your family. And so you're not necessarily choosing this atmosphere for yourself. And so maybe a good idea would be to write down a list of things that like in those situations you can control because control mm-hmm. is a huge factor in how we maintain our, um, our emotional uh, stance. You know, we can, we can get defensive if we feel like things are out of control. Right. Um, and we probably will get defensive if we feel like things are out of control. Mm-hmm. So I think making a list of things that you can control in, in, in that situation, like what can I control? I control my mouth. You know, I can control what I say. I can control what I think. I can control what I feel. I can control where I go. I can, you know, I can escape to a bedroom or something. I can control my uh, amount of involvement. Like you can make a list of things that you can control. So that way it kind of preps you for entering into those situations 
where you might get that control kind of taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And then if you're approaching a situation like that, I always, I love, I love open communication. So my particular uh, idea would be to pull that person aside. You don't want to confront somebody in public because that's kind of humiliating um, and mm-hmm. defensiveness will just happen. Yeah. So pull that person aside and, and just be honest using that I language, um, using you know these healthy communication patterns that hopefully we have gone over by this point um, mm-hmm. and try to use that to convey what you're feeling and how that relationship um, has been negatively impacted by the by whatever is happening, by the dynamic that is existing between you two and try to come to some sort of like compromise um, for how both parties can feel like they're winning something out of this particular situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would probably try that approach first. Um, That's just kind of me. I am also a tad bit, I'm, I'm pretty assertive. And so like, I don't mind um, confrontation, um, in, in an assertive way. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be my approach, but I know that not everybody is like that. So I think, yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. And I think like Mm -hmm. getting it to the side and role-playing this in advance, I Mm -hmm. think can be helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do, especially with my son, we do that a a good Mm -hmm. bit just with like going into school and he's not as, as assertive and it, Mm -hmm. you know, just, like, what would you say in this situation? Or, well, like something that has happened, we'll like go back and try and do it again. Um, because I know for me, like, I, I didn't do that. And then there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated or whatever it might be, but I come home and say it, but I won't say it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. he needs to hear it. Yeah. 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 You gotta say it's so, the right people. Exactly. And that's sometimes yeah. the hard part. Right. Yeah. And practicing, practice, 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 practice in a safe yeah. environment. And then it gets better and easier. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, not that we want to say holidays are stressful, but we did want to do this episode just to bring out and say, let's, let's name it in advance. Let's name the elephant in the room and say, if there is something that is going to be stressful, how can we reframe that, turn it around and, and maybe have a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. So Ethan, thank you so much for coming on. We really, thank you. Um, Anybody that's listening, you know, follow Ethan a little bit. We'll have some posts about him and uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. I think that's about it. Say subscribe. Yeah. Say subscribe. Yeah. That way you get updated when the new episodes come out. All right, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.